Hello everyone and welcome back to That's Lame, the equestrian podcast for horse girls from horse girls. Hello, hello. Alrighty then guys, it's another fresh week, another fresh things have happened. So, <laughs> Evie, what's been lame and sound in your week? I've had quite a stressful week namely because of terry i brought terry in from the field a few days ago and he literally just looked completely crippled and we didn't really know what was going on because you know the day before he was absolutely fine we thought he was tying up initially and in case any listeners don't know what tying up is it's basically when a horse's muscles just goes into complete spasm sort of all over their body so that's what we thought it was originally because he sort of just looked really tense and didn't really want to walk so we kept him in gave him some danlon gave him some electrolytes a sloppy feed we had the vet come up the next day to take some bloods the results came back absolutely clear so he didn't tie up but bearing in mind because he had like then a couple of days in he was then fine so I was loose lunging him again lunging him with the white rope just so like stretching him down and I put him back in the field And it was sort of like, oh, that was weird. You know, can't really explain what happened there, but he's fine now. Brought him in again that day and the same thing basically happened again. So obviously I was freaking out (laughs) because I was just like, what is wrong? And I hate not knowing. And I always go straight to the internet as well. I start like Googling everything. I'm just that person. I like to act in those sort of situations and I like to sort of be able to control it a bit more. Anyway, Rob Alton, who's our vet, who's literally the biggest legend ever, (laughs) came out the next day I literally messaged him I think at four o'clock and he replied within half an hour being like I'll be there tomorrow which is just like incredible he came out we did a workup we had a look at him uh he took his shoes off and there was an abscess in his left fore and we were like whoa okay you know that's not what we were expecting so we thought right we'll check the other feet just in case we take the shoe off the next four there's an abscess there as well (laughs) and it was almost like a science experiment like rob was quite excited in a way because i think he was like oh this is unexpected like you don't usually get that many and then we checked the hind feet as well and although there wasn't one yet there looked as though there was one forming because there was like a line of red on the outer edge of the hoof so anyway i then am basically at the moment poulticing each foot (laughs) And I'm having to poultice them for about five days, which is really hard work. Plus, Terry's having to live in and he's not in work. So he's very bored and not particularly happy because he needs the stimulation. So, yeah, that hasn't been ideal. But then in saying that, an abscess isn't really the end of the world. Like, the other sort of diagnoses that I had sort of floating around in my head you know, which I thought it might be, were way worse than that. Whereas with an abscess, you basically just carve it out of the foot, like a slight hole, and then you poultice it because basically the poultice helps the infection draw out of the foot and then they basically should come sound touch wood <laughs> yeah i mean literally terry looked lame in all four feet yeah and that's because he was lame well, in all four feet <laughs> and he, i think he looked so strange because he was trying to offset discomfort on every single foot and didn't know how to so he was constantly mixing up how he was walking because he was almost like oh no it hurts there oh no it hurts there but yeah rob was literally like god i've never seen that before <laughs> 
But yeah, just in case, like, I don't know, people want to know, an abscess basically can form in a horse's foot if they are out in the field and the ground's really wet because the dampness then gets between, I think it's the hoof wall and is it the laminae? And it can, bacteria can basically form and then an abscess can start from there. So that's generally how horses get abscesses. So, I mean, Terry lives out, so that's very likely that that is the reason and the ground has been so wet for so long. But yeah, so that's not ideal but like i said it could be worse yeah it's probably like the best case scenario for a bad situation yeah absolutely and just want to say thank you obviously to rob alton and shout out yeah shout out and scott dunequine they're just amazing and also james martin the farrier because he popped in as well and had a little look we were all there (laughs) on one day and it was like (laughs) nice little everyone you know it's like it's like a little group yeah it's like a little social as well But what's been, what about you? What's been lame and sound in your week? What's lame is that armor still hasn't fold down. Yeah. So this episode is going to be a folding special, but... We have no fold <laughs> we, at the moment. We have no fold. So previously she has had two folds with us and they've both been born on day 329 and she's currently on day 342. So that's still within like reasonable limits and whatnot of the gestation period for which mares can be pregnant. But for her, that's really gone on quite a lot further than she has done previously so she's very big she's very uncomfortable honestly we're just like please have this fall like we're checking her throughout the night but it does have to come at some point so we will wait with bated breath well we're thinking it's tonight but we did say that last episode yeah, as well. we, i know we did didn't we and that was like a full week ago i feel like it might be tonight yeah i feel like it but might then be in saying tonight. that if i've said that it won't be tonight now because the universe no. tends to do the opposite of whatever i say <laughs> <laughs> and then what's also been lame is that my back is still really bad i still have trapped nerves in my back but what's been sound is that i managed to get both my horses to carl hester's for a lesson so i've been training with carl since i was 14 so over a decade <laughs> that was quick maths and i haven't been there for quite a while but i took simba and Socko up for a lesson with him and it was just so good to get them out and for carl to kind of see their progress and just to get like some pointers on like where I should be going heading in what direction and also it's just really cool to go to cars for a lesson Mm. you just feel like really important when I turned up Charlotte was riding through Grand Prix test and then in between my lessons Kitty King turned up and she rode through her badminton test so it was just really cool yeah and yeah both boys were really good and I really enjoyed it other than the fact that my back was in agony but we move I think that's like horse riders just like summed up isn't Mm, it it's like you're in so much pain and you're like yeah I'm fine to ride Mm. you know like I couldn't actually bend down to like put their bandages on or lift up to put their saddles on but I was still like yeah throw me in the saddle like I'll be fine Okay, so we have asked you, our listeners, for some foaling dilemmas, as this is a foaling special without a foal. So, Evie? So, just to kick off, how much does it cost to breed? So, we actually just before we did this podcast we actually wrote down a couple of figures and actually I was surprised at how much it was because Mm. I was thinking it it was a lot more the thing with horses that I do that I don't know if everyone else does is I don't like adding it up at the end of the year or whatever because it will simply shock me how much I spend on these horses but it depends on what you want I think I think that breeding yes is expensive if you collated all the money that you've spent but in saying that seeing that horse prices at the moment are so high I still think that breeding is potentially cheaper 
oh, hugely, you know, like the quality of foals that we have bred, we wouldn't be able to afford no. to buy. And no. they haven't cost that much to keep yet. So we did some ballpark figures. Okay, so in general, if you're looking for a good stallion, then it's going to cost you about a thousand pounds for a stud fee. And then on top of that, you need health papers for the mare, which is, I don't really know what health papers are, to be fair. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And then to scan the mare is around 50 pounds. To inseminate the mare is around 60 pounds. So it's not actually like huge amounts of money. So we've only ever used chilled semen. I don't know how much it would cost if you were doing it fresh or frozen i think frozen is the most common no chilled is the most common is it yeah because frozen semen has got a lower percentage of being successful oh okay slow swimmers and all you know (laughs) and for dressage in general we don't really use fresh semen because then obviously you need to have both the mare and stallion at the same location and if you're wanting to use a good stallion then generally they're competing and they've got other duties to perform so i mean you know like to get the foal on the ground you're probably looking at well then you have to include your upkeep of the mare Mm. so like how much you feed her you know if you've got her on livery or if you've got her at home or like the hay then all the vet's fees for her such as flu jabs teeth wormers chewing or trimming yeah so i mean i you know i don't want to add it up i don't want to do it because i will literally cry but in general I would say I don't know I don't really want to give a figure (laughs) because okay but but then it's then keeping the foal alive until they're three or four when you start breaking them in and that does cost a lot of money then it's the cost of backing as well cost of you don't do that yourself yep that costs a lot of money but like but like I said I still think relative to how high horse prices are at the moment I still think that breeding's cheaper in saying that I'm not sure whether it would be if you don't have the facilities or the expertise to do it yourself at home yeah because if you have to send your mare off to stud you know they might be there for a while and I reckon that would add up and that would be very expensive but if you could do it at home then I don't think it's too bad yeah yeah luckily we can fall down at home so we don't have to send her anywhere yeah and I definitely say that if you're thinking about breeding yourself if you don't really know anything about it or have the facilities then I personally would send my mare somewhere just to learn about it first. Yeah. Because you don't want to sort of throw yourself in the deep end with that sort of thing and try and do it at home and then not know what you're doing. Whereas it's different for you guys because your mum, for instance, her mum bred lots of horses. It's like within your family. Yeah. Well, that kind of leads us on to the second dilemma, isn't it? Which is tips for helping them fall down. A wrap up of how much it costs, I think... To be safe, to be on the safe side, you need to set aside 5,000. Yeah, to- just, to, just to breed initially. Yeah. That's yeah. not factoring in when the foal then grows up. No, no, that, that's... You know, just getting a foal yeah the insemination and then the upkeep of the mare for the year and then the foaling down yeah i think you want to set aside five thousand to be safe because if anything goes wrong then you've got a little bit of money in the pot yeah and it's like you said as well you've got to think about the quality that you get of the foal so it's like you mentioned earlier the quality of foals that you're breeding you would never be able to afford them if they were a slightly older no. So for that, like 5,000 for a really well-bred dressage foal is actually really good, isn't it, when you think of it like yeah. that? 
Okay, so dilemma two is tips for helping them fall down. The advice that I was given by my vet, Robert Alton, shout <laughs> Another out. Shout Another out. shout out. Featuring twice. Um, he said the best thing to do is to let nature do take its course i found that quite like oh okay actually yeah because he said unless it's a red bag delivery in which case you can help he said if it goes wrong it's going to seriously go wrong and there isn't really anything that you can do unless you're a vet and also just for the listeners a red bag delivery is basically so when a foal comes out of the mare the bag that it's in should be white if it's red that means that the placenta has become detached and the foal isn't actually getting any oxygen so if that happens you basically have to split the bag straight away to try and make sure that the foal can breathe also (laughs) i hope no one's squeamish because i feel like horse girls in general anyone that works with livestock is just immune to things that are like gross in quotation marks we're just like yeah the placenta if it's like red (laughs) and bleeding you just split it open with your bare hand (laughs) it is weird as well though when a foal comes out because when i say a bag it's almost like a cocoon isn't it or you know those like dragon eggs you used to buy when you were kids and they would grow and they would have that weird membrane stuff it's almost like that isn't it you have to split it open because it's not how babies are born no well that's why i thought i should actually state that because people that don't know or like non-horsey listeners they wouldn't know that they would be like what are they talking about a bag yeah my vet's advice was you know just just leave them Mm. really and if it's a maiden mare then i would recommend sending it away to a stud because they will have so much more knowledge of what to do with a mare that potentially won't know how to interact with her foal but that's like kind of after the foaling when the mare is actually foaling you don't really want to be pulling it out you don't really want to be interfering no you kind of want to you just want to leave them observe and if anything looks really wrong then call your vet yeah so the last two that we've had we've had them at home i'm actually going to touch wood now that it's actually going to be fine this time i don't want to jinx it and curse it so the last two that we've had the mare has done everything really well and we've all been outside of the stable and we've just been like watching her observing and then towards the very last like when the foal was nearly out the mare had kind of she'd stopped pushing but like the legs were still in and she was trying to turn around and lick the foal but she couldn't reach it so then we came in and we just very gently pulled the foal around made sure that the bag was away from its nose so that it could breathe and then let the mare lick and cleanse the foal as she wants to. So that is my advice. But obviously, me and Evie are not trained professionals. No. In veterinary care or whatnot. I think the things that we have when we're folding down, like on hand, is you want a pair of scissors in case you need to open a red bag. And you also want purple spray or iodine or something just to spray the umbilical cord. You also want a um, clean bucket for the um, oh, placenta. The placenta. Yeah, you have to collect the placenta because the vet needs to look through that afterwards. It's weird because Rob They do tests on it, don't they? No, Rob like opens it up and I was like, oh my god you don't want to put gloves on and he was like no (laughs) lifting it up and everything but basically they need to check that the whole placenta so the placenta is basically the womb lining let's say that the foal is in they want to check that that is complete and that it's got no rips or tears in it because if it does then that means there's potentially tiny bits that have been left inside the mare that could turn into like infection yeah turn into an infection in which case the mare would need to be flushed out to get rid of it so you just want to always collect it i just pick it up with a fork 
<laughs> not a knife and fork. Not a, knife, <laughs> a shavings fork. Yeah. And um, pop it in a bucket. And that's about all you can do, really. I think no, there's... I agree with you. I think you need to let nature take its course. My sort of thoughts on it are, with folding, the tips for folding down, All the, it all comes in the preparation before the fold yeah. actually comes. So you need to make sure that, like... The stable's clean, there's a massive comfy straw bed, clean water, all those little things that are so just like common sense. And also like you said, that the mare's well looked after throughout the pregnancy. So like trimming of the feet, you know, regular vet checks, top feed, grass, you know, all of that sort of stuff. Because like with your mare, she has like the best grass, doesn't she? Like we like preserve her grass throughout like the whole (laughs) winter and spring. It's little things like that. And then like you say, when they then go into labour, that's sort of, you've done your bit in the build up. Yeah. And now it's their turn to actually, they know what they're doing. Yeah. I'd also say you want to make sure that she's on her own. So we put a board up. Oh, yeah. Between the stables, because our stables, all the horses can see each other. But we put a board up because as soon as the baby is born, she is very protective of that. And she would throw herself at the walls attacking, you know, whatever horse is there. And that's just a mother's nature. So you want to make sure that she's kind of on her own. And I think there's like a special rule. I don't know what it is. And this is clearly why you and I are not professionals in this, is that you want to get them up and suckling as soon as possible. So I think with our first foal that was born, we had to help her up. And that was simply because her feet were sliding on the rubber matting underneath the straw. So even though we had a really big, thick straw bed, Mm. she in like, you know, the kerfuffle of foaling she managed to get down to the rubber so the foal was sliding on the rubber and she couldn't stand up so we had to kind of stabilize her up but then for the second one we'd learned from the first one in that we put a layer of shavings underneath the straw so that she had like a stable base Mm. to stand up You, you want them to be standing up and suckling yeah, Pretty I can't quickly. remember. It's within a few hours, isn't it? Yeah. Because you want them to get the colostrum. Yeah. Is that the right word? I don't know. I don't know. You want them to get that pretty quickly. Yeah, and going back with putting a board up over the stable, that's if, like, you've got stables where there are, like, bars going across. But also, yeah, just to actually segregate them because some horses, Terry, <laughs> yeah. actually they get a bit upset when the mare's falling. Yeah. It's not... I don't even know if upset's the right word, but they get triggered by it. They know that something's happening. So then you don't want a horse right next to the stable where the foaling's happening because they'll be a bit like, you know, what's going on? And then the mare might get stressed and that's not what you want. So I think almost to like segregate them is actually quite good. Yeah, because I mean, horses are herd animals. And when the mare is in labour and she's giving birth, she is in distress. You know, it's a form of distress. So Mm. the other horses will be feeding off that and reading from it. So you really want her to be on her own. You don't want to go, oh, you know, but my my pony, she wants to watch. Yeah, no, she doesn't. (laughs) Because I remember the first foal. I wasn't there, but that's when I first bought Terry, wasn't it? You said that he just kept neighing like hysterically from across the yard. (laughs) Yeah, he was. uh, So our stables are in like a A U shape. Yeah, a U shape. And she was up in the far corner, and but Terry was on the bottom row, so he could kind of see see her. From a distance, yeah. And all I kept hearing was just this shrill little nin- <laughs> whinny. And so I was funny. like, what are you doing, man? I was like, it's not, this is not your time. <laughs> oh. 
Okie dokie, next question, which I thought was very funny. How do you pick the right dad? What do you look for and how do you find them? There's no dating app for horses. <laughs> swipe right, swipe left. I know, Sarah May would be like really choosing like the biggest like... Tall, dark and handsome. Yeah, she would. Okay, so, okay, so what I've done in the past is if there's been a stallion that I liked the look of, I've researched that stallion, so found out its bloodlines, because obviously you don't want the bloodlines of the stallion to be similar to the bloodlines of the mare. You know, you don't want any, like, interbred. Interbred. (laughs) Yes. And then kind of look up their history. And for me, I wanted to know, like, how easy they were to train and how easy they were to ride and whatnot. And then you've got to be looking at the stud availability. So whether it's fresh, frozen, chilled. That's semen, by the way, people. (laughs) Semen? Yes. The first time I ever ordered semen was in 2020. So during COVID, that was an a literal nightmare trying to get chilled semen from holland over to the uk (laughs) in like the height of covid and lockdown and brexit so funny god it was an absolute nightmare but we use stallions direct which is a super easy to use company so you contact them you tell them which stallion you want to use and then they contact the stud where the stallion is standing and they will order it for you so you can't just like willy-nilly order semen (laughs) (laughs) willy-nilly emphasis on willy (laughs) so It's got to be, your mare has to be scanned by the vet so that she is ovulating at the right time and they can predict when she's going to be like, right. And then you contact the stallions direct, they contact the stud book and they say whether or not the stallion would be available. And they will say yes or no, the stud will. So I have had two Jameson offspring, Jameson RS2. You can look him up. He's a beautiful horse. I like Jameson. Yeah, he's tall, dark and handsome. So I really liked him. Because firstly, he he looked. I mean, he's just stunning. Yeah, he is. He's he's a beautiful stamp of a horse. So for me, I want good confirmation, like correct confirmation, a big uphill neck, you know, good hind legs, and I also want them to be even in the hind legs, front and back, and also to look like they're easy to ride. So Jameson's ridden by a very petite little dressage rider, and she just makes it look super easy. I much prefer that to like a video of a horse being ridden by like a very big man that's having to pull them in and it's all front legs and it's just like mm, it's not for me so that's like some of the reason why I wanted to choose Jameson also I thought his bloodlines would really complement my mare so the mare that we already had she has a really beautiful trot but like her walk and her canter could do with improving and she herself is like quite big and stocky well yeah that's what I was about to say when choosing a potential sire you need to look at your broodmare and almost sort of not go for the opposite but sort of think where could I improve her yeah if you've got sort of like a stocky chunky broodmare you don't then necessarily want to go for a stallion that's also stocky and chunky you know you might be better going for one that's a little bit more leggy a little bit more elegant so then when the foal comes hopefully it's sort of like a hybrid of the two so then you're sort of getting the best of both that's definitely what we did with jameson you know he had like much more of an uphill frame which is again what we wanted more with our man we used him twice so that was like super easy choice to make and then last year this is where i think i made a mistake in that I only had one stallion that I wanted to use and that was Iron and he wasn't available that day. So I had an hour 
to choose a stallion. I remember and that. And that was a literal nightmare. <laughs> we were looking at videos. Oh, and we were like, like, what about this one? Yeah, because, you know, she was ovulating and whatever and she was ready and I needed to order it right then and there. I was sitting at the kitchen table, head in hand, like, what do I do? And where Iron was standing, which is Helgstrand, they had a load of other stallions that were there. And so I did, like, the quickest research of my life of, okay, what stallions are there that complement her breeding? Who do I like? Just like really quickly ticking off all these boxes. And then I gave them a choice of three stallions and I said, whichever one is available is the one that's meant to be. This foal that, you know, is not yet born is by For Real which is a very young Helgstrand stallion. And even though he hasn't done so much and he's only had one crop of foals before, he really like stood out for me as he was very even front to back and I thought he would really compliment my mare. And also another thing that I would add is when you're looking to choose a stallion, you want to think, would I want to ride that? And could I ride it? And could I train it? And would it suit my lifestyle and my yard setup? So there were some stallions that were like recommended to me and whatnot. And I thought I would never in a million years get on that. You know, like they were really hot and yeah, they were amazing movers. But I just thought that doesn't really suit my training either. You know, like they were tight in the neck or they were like really, really fast or like the riders were having to like lean back and pull. Mm. And I was just like, it's, yeah, I that's think not for me. When choosing a dad, it's it's basically... Choosing a dad. <laughs> it's basically, you need to think about what you like in a horse and what your values are and, and sort of go from there. If you like a horse that's a bit sort of short coupled, then maybe look for a stallion that's short coupled. But also sort of, I think with temperament, you need to think about, like you were just saying, what you can cope with. Do you need something that's really trainable or do you not mind something that's a bit feisty but has the talent? And I think when you do your research, even just talking to people that are a little bit more in the know, it's it's interesting how, I wouldn't say they're rumours, but like gossip about what people know about certain bloodlines. You know, you'll hear people say, oh, no, I'd never buy a horse by that stallion because they're known for rearing or something yeah. like that. You hear little things like that. So I would definitely say as well, talk to people that are in the know get their opinion your trainers or whatever because you can learn a lot from that as well yeah and also i'd say i'm conflicted because i would love to use a british stallion so that the foal is very much a british bred but the quality of stallions so the quality of horses that i want to be breeding the quality comes from abroad you know i don't think there's quite enough that there's a few young stallions british stallions that are like getting there but unfortunately their bloodlines like clash with my mare so I think you, you, you want to get the best that you can and the best that, that is out there is abroad. Yeah. And also it's so easy to get it from abroad. You know, like these big stallion stations, they are completely equipped to do this. So yeah, so that's our advice. And also good luck with it. Like just enjoy it. It's so much fun breeding. Do your research, but try not to freak yourself out. Yeah. I would say don't overthink it. I think a lot of it is common sense. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, just trust your judgment. Yeah. Just go with your gut. So obviously with breeding and 
any type of baby animal there are funny stories that come with it and we've got a couple which is very funny and one like iconic quote that I remember from you is the the semen okay so this is like when so we've ordered it and it's been delivered and it's very much like it needs to then go in the mare immediately there's like a window of which it can go in and but wasn't it dropped off somewhere else it was delivered to the vets Oh, that was it. And our vet wasn't at the vet's. He was somewhere else and he was coming directly to us. He was on the us. front lines. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was on the front lines. He was coming directly to us. He wasn't coming via the vets. And the vets was like an hour away. And so one of us needed to go and collect the semen. I don't think I had a car at the time or something. And like... I'd only just started. I'd been there for like a few weeks. Yeah, and Evie just turned This around. was at breakfast as well. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we were all sat around at breakfast having a conversation. And everyone... Well, I've never collected semen, so you have to count me out. <laughs> it was literally the funniest Because the way you said collected semen was like that you were collecting it. Like, but also it's like <laughs> as though that's something that loads of people do. Yeah, yeah. It's like a thing that yeah, happens, yeah, just yeah. collecting semen. I've never yeah. done that before. Well, no, it's oh, because I've never everyone... collected semen before. It was like who was going to go and get it and everyone went silent and everyone stared at me. Because <laughs> you had a car. <laughs> everyone looked at me and I was like, I'm not doing that. No. <laughs> Like, I'm not being... I've been here for two weeks. I'm not being trusted with that job. No. If I, like, crash or something and it and the box gra- breaks oh open and God. goes all over my car, <laughs> a grand's worth of semen, I'm not... No, no. That'd be a weird story to tell people to ballot my car. <laughs> What's that stain? Um, it's very, like, distinctive, like... <laughs> oh, my God. I'm a working girl. <laughs> Jesus. And then what was your one with jelly bean? Oh yeah, so jelly bean's the second foal that you guys bred, and obviously she's been in a stable before. She was born in a stable, but I feel like when they just follow their mum in, they don't almost sort of click that it, that they're going into stable. So I was leading jelly bean into the stable, and she's just not used to like being led in by herself. So she was a bit like, uh, you know, what am I doing? I got her in, and then she. Sp- Ban round and went to run out straight away and I blocked the end like the exit because I was like no stay in there so then she like headbutted me <laughs> but as she headbutted me my I was wearing a bobble hat because it was quite cold that day the bobble hat went <laughs> over my eyes so I couldn't see anything and I had this like yearling coming at me and I was flailing my arms around and I was like Samantha I can't see <laughs> like batting her back and Samantha was laughing so much because it just looked like such like a comedy sketch of like <laughs> it was so stupid and then jelly bean literally again. a few days before this story the story i've yeah. just told oh th- this image is ingrained <laughs> in my brain it's a cool memory and i wish i'd filmed it but Same. i just didn't so it was the first time we turned jelly bean out with apollo my now retired grand prix horse this is only like a couple months ago yeah and they were galloping around the field. It was we lovely. Just... It was a beautiful sight. Yeah, we yeah. all stood there like, oh, look, they're cantering about how lovely. Yeah. They were so happy. Yeah. And they were just like, you know, getting to know each other. And it was just, we, we were just standing there, you know, just in case. But it was, they were just being horses. And anyway, then Jellybean 
Okay, so this is the thing about young stock is you want to keep them alive <laughs> until <laughs> until they're like three or four. And also everyone with young stock will have stories like oh we've got. Oh my God. The amount of times they try and kill themselves. They're just, I don't know how they survived. Oh, well, I, really, I mean, no, it's our fault. I mean, they didn't, did yeah, they? Yeah, but they also didn't. it's our fault because we've just, that's how we've bred them now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, we just, you just have to like roll your eyes and just, oh my God. But anyway, Jellybean, she galloped into like the corner of the field and part of the field was electric tape and it was on electric fence. So she slid into this electric fence obviously got electrocuted and then there was like this mound in the field wasn't it it's like a slope (laughs) and (laughs) she got electrocuted and literally just leapt in the air on top of this mound literally i don't she must have jumped like six foot in the air immediately was she like belly flop yeah yeah complete belly flop on top of this mound (laughs) and we were like Uh, oh my god jelly bean jelly bean jelly bean and we were like 10 meters away from her on the other side of the fence and we like went running over and we were like jelly bean jelly bean jelly bean and she just slow motion rolled and just got cast she was like against the side of this slope grunting wasn't she i know and then she was just lying there anyway she like eventually like rolled down and then she stood there looking like really shell socked and we were like is every leg like still attached and then she just like trotted off and we were like then she just then she just like neighed and tried off i mean we've had another one like try to jump a stable door then they, they got all, stuck they all do it don't they i mean there are I only mean, so many parameters you can put yeah. in place to keep these animals safe but they're learning aren't they yeah. they don't understand so they're gonna make mistakes it just happens to be that they're very big animals so their mistakes can be quite yeah. like oh my god the first time we put jelly bean in the field where when they're like proper foals foals with very high fencing yeah and they're very close to the yard, so we can like really keep an eye on them. But the first time she was like a couple months old, we put her in a different field with more grass and it was bigger. We put her out with the mare and it was all fine. And they were just grazing in the field. We were like, oh, lovely. We turned around to walk away. Ten metres on. We turned around. Jellybean's in the same field as us. She literally <laughs> just jumped out. She just jumped into a different field. And we were like... What? And then obviously Sarah made the mum was like, where's my baby? Where's my baby? Yeah, they start freaking. And I was just like, how how did you do that? Because also she was absolutely fine. She was just like trotting along. And I was just like, what motivated you to to just pop the fence? What's funny though about when she belly flopped onto that mound is that we spent probably about four hours (laughs) doing fencing for that field to basically make sure that it was safe, secure, wasn't it? We basically spent so long, four of us out there, and you do that and and that still happens. Yeah, (laughs) it's just like... happens. You know, like, you feed them, you raise them, you send them (laughs) off to school, and they're still... It's stupid. They're just crazy, the lot of them. Yeah, and you do have to factor that. If you're thinking about breeding, you have to factor that in. That when they get to yearlings, they, they are a blank slate. They have no idea what they're doing. And you can feel that when you're handling them because they just walk into you. Yeah. You know, it's like when I put her in the stable, she was just like, I'll go out now. She doesn't understand no. that that's not okay yet. And you can't tell them off because they genuinely don't. No, no. you have to teach them everything. Yeah. And oh, I'm not just going to headbutt you in the face or walk over you. No. Oh, okay. I you know, that. from a very young age, we teach ours to, to walk in front of the mum so that they're not needy to the mare so they walk in front and so then they walk into the stable on their own and also we load them into the lorry in front yeah so jelly beans is a year we moved her the other day she she just walked straight up she's such a bold filly though isn't she she's so bold but i think if you if you put those foundations in from a really young age then they'll kind of always be easy yeah to do
alrighty then guys thank you so much for listening to this episode of that's lame we hope it's been good and we also hope that you've just had a good weekend watching the king's coronation and badminton oh yeah well badminton's not running on the saturday is it no yeah uh, mr charles king charles good luck to him you know it's yeah. a big day <laughs> It's a big day for him. Yeah. Pressure, what is he? He's pressure's like, running high. He's in his 70s and he's finally getting a new job. <laughs> he's been waiting long enough, hasn't he? <laughs> I know. Bless him. Bless him. I know, it's going to be... Uh, I'm really conflicted about the king's quiche. Yeah, I thought I know, it was what, coronation what, coron- chicken. We're it, having coronation chicken on Saturday. Yeah, but that that's the queen's dish. Yeah, but I don't care. I know, but the king's dish is coronation quiche. It doesn't flow the same. No, it doesn't. It doesn't flow the same. Yeah, I'm really excited to watch Badminton as well. I hope Kitty King wins purely because I rode in the same arena as her. I hope I can watch it <laughs> on TV this time because last year it was such a mare trying to get oh, it I up. Know, wasn't it? I ended up, me and mum ended up watching it like on mum's iPad because we couldn't get it on the TV <laughs> because it's not on terrestrial I anymore. I know. Such a pain in the bottom. <laughs> in the bottom <laughs> but yeah we hope you've had a lovely weekend and also we hope that we have a fall when this comes out we've said it before and we'll, we'll say, say it again, again. <laughs> and we'll probably end up saying it next time <laughs> okay guys love you bye love you bye